Gracious God, you have promised that your holy word, which goes forth from your mouth, will not return to you empty, but it will accomplish what you desire, and it will succeed in the matter for which you have sent it. May your word have its way, we pray, in every heart this day, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. So I want to begin with a few quotes about tests and testing. During a test, people look up for inspiration. They look down in desperation. And they look to the left and to the right for information. I hope that's not the case with any of our students here today. Life is a test, and I'm pretty sure I'm failing. In school, you are taught a lesson and then given a test. In life, you're given a test that teaches you a lesson. And this, the ultimate test of faith is not how loudly you praise God in happy times, but how deeply you trust him in dark times. My friends, life is full of tests. Within the first minute or two of your being born, you were given an exam. It's called an APGAR test. It tests heart rate, muscle tone, color, reflexes, and so on. And then five minutes later, you're given a second APGAR test to see how you're doing. As the child grows, there are developmental milestones at two months, four months, six months, nine months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, and so on. Now, we call these developmental milestones, but they're really tests in order to compare how well your child is doing with other children. My friends, there are tests for nearly everything. Diabetics are familiar with the A1C test, glucose tests, breathalyzer test if you're pulled over by a police officer, tests for various diseases, cancer, Parkinson's, dementia, colorblindness, COVID, it goes on and on and on. Roman numeral one in your sermon outline, page nine in your bulletin, is about the universality, the universality of testing. Life is full of tests. There are professional exams, medical licensing, law exams, CPA exams, engineering exams, so on and so forth, plumbing exams. If you wanna drive a car, you must pass a BMV written exam and at some point a driving exam. If you own a business and you hire employees, you vet them, you check their background. You ask them a series of questions to see if they are the right fit for your organization or not. Products, manufactured products are tested constantly to improve quality and to improve safety. And what we neglect to test will often come back to bite us. My friends, testing is universal because it works. We understand the necessity of it. 
We don't want someone practicing medicine or piloting an airliner unless they are qualified to do so. We should expect no less. So that brings us to Roman numeral two. My son, do not despise the discipline, we could say the testing of the Lord. That's Proverbs 3.11, Hebrews 12.6. And don't think of the Lord's discipline primarily as punishment. We often do that. That's a mistake. It's not primarily that. Think of it as education. Think of it as training. He is shaping you. He's pruning you to grow in a certain direction. He's training you to make you more like Christ. Letter A, Harriet asked this question of the women in her Bible study not long ago. Do you grow more spiritually when life's going well or when life is going not so well? Well, every woman tolerates when we're put to the test. And Christians often ask this question, and it's a fair question. Why does God test his children? Isn't that being mean? It happens every winter. It's just it's the sliding sludge up there on the skylights. You see that the heat rises. Well, anyway. Um, is it mean to require medical students to pass the medical licensing exam? Is that mean? I would say it's a way of caring not only for the medical student, but also for those whom they will eventually practice on. It's not being mean to make law students pass a bar exam. It's helping them to better serve their clients. It's calling them to be accountable, to know something. Tests are not being mean. They help you to prepare you for what you will encounter in life. And if medicine and law and other professions are important enough to require testing, then shouldn't having dominion over creation, because that's the responsibility God has given to humanity in Genesis 1 and 2, shouldn't that job of having dominion Shouldn't that require some sort of testing as well? Isn't having dominion over creation at least as important as medicine or law or plumbing? Letter B. God chooses to rule or have dominion over creation through you and through me. Not just in the sphere of secular government, but in the spiritual government of God through the church on earth proclaiming the law of God and the gospel of God. This is exercising God's spiritual dominion over all creation. Through tests, he teaches us to trust his wisdom. To trust his wisdom. Because what God will ask you to do, what he will expect you to do, whether it's forgiving an enemy or whether it's sacrificing your your beloved son as Abraham was commanded to do, it will cause you to trust his wisdom, even when his wisdom seems totally contrary to common sense and to his promise. The psalmist writes in Psalm 119, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. 
It's educative. B1, Abraham. In Genesis 12, you know, the, the, um, the rabbis like to say that Abraham was subjected to at least 10 significant tests. And we're not going to go through all of them. Just mention three of them. Number one, leave your father's house, Genesis 12, 1, and your kindred. Leave them behind. Cut yourself off from your social security. And go to the land I will show you. And then later on in Genesis 21, Sarah is getting pretty uncomfortable with Ishmael running around making fun of Isaac. And she says to Abraham, cast out the bondwoman and her son. They should not inherit with our son Isaac. This was a test for Abraham. He loved Ishmael. But God said, no, do what Sarah says. The son of the bondwoman will not share in the inheritance with the son of the free. And so he had to pack up Hagar and Ishmael and send them away into the wilderness where they nearly died would it not have been for God's intervention. That was the test. So he gives up one son and then he's asked to give up the second son the beloved one, the son of the promise. Contrary, it seems contrary to everything God had said and done prior. But he asked it of him. Trust his wisdom. And Abraham did. He didn't pass every test with flying colors, by the way. But he passed that one. And we all benefit. Point number two, Israel. Israel's testing in the wilderness. Deuteronomy 8.2. The Lord said, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Now God knew what was in their hearts, but they needed to know what was in their hearts so they could contrast that with the, mag- with the loving heart, magnanimous heart of God. The two had to be seen in contrast. Suffering conforms us more and more to the image of the one who suffered for us all. And then Roman numeral three. Jesus passes every test for you. And I emphasize for you. His tests are the greatest test of all because how he performs determines everything about you and me. How he performs determines our standing before God. How he performs determines whether or not we remain in our sins or whether we are declared righteous in God's sight as we are. Now we don't learn all of that from the gospel accounts themselves. We learn that from the epistles. The epistles written by the apostles interpret the gospels for us. They they explain the meaning of of what they could not understand at the time. During the ministry of Jesus, the apostles didn't get it. They didn't understand. Why this testing? Why this temptation? Why the cross? Why that? Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. But afterward, after his ascension, after the outpouring of the Spirit, he brings to mind what he had done and the meaning behind it all. So the epistles really interpret the Gospels 
So letter A, Adam prefigures the ministry of Christ. Adam foreshadows, he prefigures the ministry of Jesus. This is what Paul says in Romans 5.14. Adam was a type or a symbol of the one who was to come, meaning Christ. Well, how does that work? Letter B, what Adam did, his sin, affects everyone in a condemning way. In a condemning way, leading to death. And what Jesus did affects everyone in a forgiving way. A forgiving way, leading to life. And if you doubt this, please go to Romans chapter 5, verse 18. Therefore, Paul writes, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, need I say who that is, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Why? Because Christ passed every test for us. Made like us in every way, yet without sin. In Adam, all die, Paul writes, but in Christ, all will be made alive. We were all, all of us, born into Adam. We were born into death. But we have been reborn into Christ, into a life that never ends. My friends, every time Jesus resists temptation in the Gospels, it is credited to you. Every test he passes is credited to you through faith in him. His victory over sin is your victory because you are in Christ. That is one of Paul's favorite expressions, being in Christ. You're baptized into Christ. You believe into Christ. You are his body, the church. He is the head. What the head accomplishes, the whole body benefits from. My friends, this side of heaven, life is characterized by tests. You and I likely will fail more tests than we pass. But God no longer judges us on the basis of our failed examinations. He judges us based on Christ's perfect obedience. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. It is my pleasure, my duty, my responsibility to announce every Sunday that you are forgiven in Christ. You are righteous before God because God's judgment of you is based not on your performance but on that of Christ. And because you believed into Christ, because you have been baptized into Christ, because you are members of Christ's body, whenever God looks at you, he sees Jesus. Whenever God looks at you, he sees his beloved Son, to whom you have been joined and with whom he is well pleased. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, amen.